Well, I wonder, as you uh, listen to that reading, uh, who did you identify with the most in that passage? Was it Mary? Are you a kind, the kind of person who's uh, just happy to be and to relate deeply to whoever God brings into your life, uh, whether it's friends at uni or uh, work or when you're in the cafe and you meet somebody there uh, or even in your relationship with God or with Jesus? I'm guessing that your house might be a bit of a mess, but you're the kind of person that people love to be with and you love being with them. And you love ministering to them in whatever way you can. Or maybe uh, you identify more with Martha. Uh, You love getting things done, whether it's cleaning the house or completing that project at work, uh, ahead of schedule and within budget, um, or getting an honours degree at uni, or raising successful kids, or getting yourself super fit. You just love getting stuck into that. Uh, Your friends might find you a little bit hard to get to know, uh, but you're an achiever and you love being an achiever and you love being like that. The truth is actually that we're all somewhere on that spectrum, aren't we? If you're not sure where you fit on that spectrum, ask yourself how you respond when somebody confides in you that, uh, that they're having a rough time. What do you do? Uh, do you put your arm around them and give them a hug and, and, and ask them, gee, how does it feel to have, that your marriage is going bad or that your work's going bad or, or, or that you've lost your job? And you just want to be with them and comfort them. Or do you rush off and make a meal for them or uh, try and find a marriage counsellor for them uh, or send them job adverts? <laughs> Well, you're more of a Martha, if that's what you do, and you're more of a Mary, if if that's what you do up front, uh, if you just want to be with them. Well, thankfully, in our world and in our church, uh, God's put the right number of people on that spectrum uh, so that the job gets done and people get helped and comforted. Uh, This is not really about working out whether you're a Mary or a Martha. And what we're talking about today from this passage is... However God has gifted us, what is the most important thing for us to do? That's the question Jesus is addressing here today. What's the best thing? And Jesus actually answers the question for us. Just to put it in context, this is the third of three stories in chapter 10 of Luke. If you've got your Bible, open it up there. We're going to be going through the verses we looked at. The first one was about Jesus sending out the 72. And those guys witnessed amazing things that God did through them. And they were so excited. And Jesus says, though, he, he sort of pulls them up a bit. He says, the most important thing is that your names are written in heaven. So drawing their attention to the most important thing. Then last week we heard about the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Again, the question comes up, a very key question, how do I inherit eternal life? And the guy who asked the question is a lawyer. So Jesus bounces it back onto him and says, well, what do you reckon? And so he recites the law. And Jesus said to him, go and do that and you'll be fine. 
<laughs> and actually, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan because it's the most unlikely thing that that guy is ever going to do. And he knows that it's too hard. And he's trying to justify himself. Basically, Jesus says to him, you can't do it. You need me. That's where he's heading. Only Jesus can justify people because we've already messed it up already if we're trying to earn our way into God's favour. Now, in this story, the story of Mary and Martha, it's the same question. What is the most important thing? If there's one thing that's an absolute must, what is it? If there's one thing that's the absolute best, what is it? So keep that in your head as we go into this passage because we can go down a lot of rabbit uh, burrows here uh, and end up in a, in a different place to where Jesus wants to take us. Uh, you look at verse 38, a bit of context. Uh, Jesus comes to Bethany with his disciples and they enter a village. Uh, Martha welcomes them into her house. This is a bit of an unusual scenario. She appears to be the head of the house. We don't know why uh, that is, but that seems to be the case. Uh, and she welcomes Jesus into her house. And then we read, she's got a sister called Mary who sits at the Lord's feet and listens to his teaching. Now the people reading this originally would have thought, oh, that's unusual. Here's a woman sitting at the feet of a rabbi. That just didn't happen. And of course it alerts us to the fact that what Jesus has to say is for everybody, regardless of your gender, your background or whatever. It's for everybody. And Jesus went out of his way actually uh, to minister to women. Mary sits at his feet listening uh, to his teaching. But Martha, who uh, has welcomed Jesus to her house, she's got a problem. Uh, she is anxious and troubled by many things. That's the first thing we read about Martha. There are three words that are used to describe her state, the state that she's in. Firstly, she's distracted uh, in verse 40. Martha's distracted by much serving. Now, this original word means to be pulled away to be drawn away uh, from something. What's she drawn away by? What's she pulled away by? Well, we're told, aren't we, is by much serving. Um, making sure that the hospitality is just right for such an important guest. Uh, it's understandable that she is the head of the house and she's invited him in, that she feels really responsible. Uh, and Jesus, of course, is well known by now. Uh, and she wants to look after him. Uh, and probably there's a lot of other people that came along with him, the disciples. So this is not a small job. She's looking after the hospitality for a whole bunch of people. So she's drawn away by that. But what's she drawn away from? <laughs> right? And Jesus enlightens us here. She's drawn away from what Mary's doing, listening to the word of Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's so easy to do this, isn't it? To be drawn away by something really good, like serving Jesus, to be drawn away from our actual relationship with him and listening to him and connecting with him. It's not that she's doing something bad, but the good is taking her away from the best. That's the problem here. 
Now, this happens in other relationships too, doesn't it? Uh, you've probably heard a conversation that goes like this, or maybe overheard one, or maybe been the, the one delivering this kind of conversation or receiving it. Uh, it goes something like this. I work hard day and night so you can have a good life and the kids can go to good schools and we can secure our future. And then the other person says, yeah, that's fine, but I just want to spend time with you. I want to know that you want to be with me and that you love me. I want to hear you say that, that I love you. That kind of anguished conversation has happened and is happening in millions of places around the world, homes, kids with parents, husband and wife, uh, counsellors' rooms. It's a similar thing, isn't it? We get so busy doing, we don't actually connect with the person that we're actually supposed to be focused on. We think that we're really loving and serving the other person uh, when all the time it doesn't feel like that to them. How much more important is this in our relationship with God? Because God has told us the most important thing is for us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And that means not being distracted by things that are less than that, doesn't it? So she's distracted, pulled away. Secondly, she's anxious. In verse 41, the Lord says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. So if being distracted is being pulled away, this word uh, anxious in the original means more like being pulled apart. So it's what happens internally when we are totally distracted from important things. We are pulled apart by what's happening inside of us. That's what's happening to Martha. Now, anxiety is an awful thing, isn't it? If you've ever sat with someone who's really, really anxious, and it takes over their life, maybe you've felt this yourself. And in the end, you're anxious about being anxious. <laughs> the, the original thing's sort of gone into the background, and you're so anxious that you're anxious. It's an awful thing. It's a big issue in our community. I was looking up the figures this week. In the latest four-week reporting period, nearly one million Medicare-funded mental health services were provided. And almost three and a half million prescriptions were filled for drugs that help with mental health. Uh, and a lot of that is anxiety. People suffering from or a combination of depression and anxiety. It's a big issue. And Christians are not immune from this. Actually, I think we're more susceptible to it. Uh, because of our uh, relationship with God, with Jesus, we have a heightened sense of responsibility and uh, we can become even more anxious than people who don't. So I hope that if you're in that place today, and probably all of us are to a certain extent, I hope that what Jesus says to us today really helps us. Uh, because Martha's anxiety is taking her away from Jesus. And notice that he addresses her directly and by name. He says, Martha, Martha. How did he actually say that? Martha, Martha. Or did he say, Martha, Martha. I think it's the second. I think he's really, really concerned for her, isn't he? 
He really wants her to connect strongly with him and to, to, to feel his love and unconditional love for her. He's concerned that her life shouldn't be consumed by doing good stuff to the detriment of her relationship with him. Now the third thing that's going on in Mary, Martha's life is that she's troubled. So she's distracted, she's anxious and she's troubled. This is quite a strong word. It actually means she's in a panic. She's greatly disturbed. Again, you can understand why. She's feeding all these people and she's got no help. She's doing it on her own. It, it can also mean kind of terrified. Uh, Mary's so worried about doing this hospitality well that she gets in a panic about it and it spills over onto Jesus, the person who's the focus of her hospitality. She goes up to him. And he's the guest, right? The honoured guest. and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. The very purpose of what she's trying to do is undermined, isn't it? She's actually accusing her guest of not caring. <laughs> That's a pretty heavy thing to say to Jesus. He's come to earth to die for her and for you and for me. Because she's so consumed uh, and anxious about this serving. Now Jesus has already said to his followers earlier in this chapter, if you get invited into somebody's house, eat whatever's put in front of you. So he would have been happy with, you know, rice or roti or something, I think, wouldn't he? He'd probably be happy with nothing at all. He'd gone 40 days and 40 nights without eating earlier in his life. So <laughs> he's not fussed about this. The reason he's there is so that this family can connect with him. The frustration spills over, not only to Jesus, but to Mary, who's sitting there listening to this. And you know, if you get really, really busy in serving, the temptation is so strong, isn't it, to compare yourself to others. You know, you're putting away the chairs after church or after your life group and other people just sitting there talking and you're doing it on your own. And you have <laughs> it's so easy to get into that mode, a corrosive kind of thing where you compare yourself to others. They're not doing anything. They're bludgers. And here I am doing all the work. Well, if that's happening to you and it happens to me sometimes, that's a trigger warning. Get out of there. Take some time out. And, and, and recalibrate, reconnect. Uh, with Jesus. If we start resenting our brothers and sisters, friends, that's very dangerous and toxic. And we need to pull back, take a break and do a priority check because that's not the aim of what we're trying to do, uh, to, to, to get so busy that we've forgotten what it looks like to relate to Jesus. So Jesus tells Martha, you do that, you take this reality check. He said, there's one thing that's necessary. One thing only. And of course it's what Mary's chosen, isn't it? She's sitting there listening to the word of Jesus. And friends, all our serving, and serving's a good thing, and our response to Jesus needs to arise out of responding to him and what he says and who he is. Listening to him and what he wants for us rather than what we want for ourselves. 
You know, in the Gospels, there are two times when Jesus speaks, uh, sorry, when God speaks directly from heaven. There's the baptism and the transfiguration. Both times, the first bit of it, you see exactly the same thing. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That's what's said at the baptism. At the transfiguration, he adds three words. What does he say? Listen to him. So God, when he breaks into the first century and speaks directly when Jesus is there, he just has one command. Listen to this person. Listen. It's very focused, isn't it? This is how God wants us to be, to be listening to Jesus. That's the work of God, Jesus says. This is what uh, Jesus... Somebody asked him the question, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who is sent. That's interesting, isn't it? This is God's work. You listen to Jesus and you believe in him. He's the one sent by God. So that's the one thing to centre our lives around. That's the priority thing. We'll unpack in a moment what that looks like. Uh, Living our lives around Jesus and what he wants. Not me and what I want, not what's good for me and whoever, but what is good for him. Uh, so we mustn't be diverted from the best by the good or even the bad obviously we get so busy serving that we lose our connection with Jesus so that's the third thing he says choose the best Mary has chosen the good portion uh, which will not be taken away from her Jesus is not going to stop Mary from doing the most important thing that a person can do. Listening to him. Listening to the word of God. And he's not going to let anyone else stop her from doing that either. Well, let's get a bit practical here. What does it look like uh, to choose, make this choice? To choose the good portion? Obviously, I've already said it so many times. Listen to Jesus. Listening to the word of Jesus, literally it says there. What does this look like in Melbourne in 2022? Does it mean just sitting around and waiting for Jesus to show up and say something? Uh, Or does it mean only reading the gospel? Some of you have got a red letter Bible, you know, where it's got all the words of Jesus uh, in red. You only look at that, what Jesus has said. Um, No, the whole of scripture is the word of Jesus, isn't it? And the whole of scripture points us to him. So what it means actually for us in Melbourne in 2022 is what you're doing right now. You're listening to the word of Jesus, trying to grapple with what does, what does this say, what does it mean for me in my life right now? It's what you do in your life group as well, when you struggle with those things together. And it's what you do when you read the Bible on your own. You're listening to Jesus, speaking into your life. Uh, so that's really really important if you're bible reading and you're coming to church and you're going to life group is being squeezed out by whatever please recalibrate 
it's really, really important that we put this thing first of knowing and understanding Jesus and what he wants for us. Uh, as a church, uh, we think this is really important. Uh, if you want to serve in a ministry, the first thing we want you to do is to be coming on a Sunday and spending time listening to Jesus, to be in a life group uh, where you connect with others and do that together and support one another in that. And also be doing it on your own. This is a priority thing. Then after that, we'd be happy to plug you into a ministry somewhere. Uh, like Mary, Jesus doesn't want that to be taken away from you. Sitting at his feet, understanding his word, doing what, uh, working out what it means for you. Uh, whether it's by your anxiety and busyness or somebody else's anxiety and busyness, Jesus does not want you to be diverted from that. It won't be taken away from you. Not even by a cross-culture ministry. So listen to Jesus. Secondly, serve so that others can listen to Jesus. In whatever way we serve, whatever ministry you're involved in, make sure that it's aimed at helping others to connect with Jesus and listen to him. Whether you're involved in our outward-facing ministries, in English Corner, Alpha, Open Chapel, whatever, make sure that what you do there is helping other people uh, to connect with Jesus. That people come to know him and grow in him and go on to tell others about him. So that's the second thing. Third thing is let his love drive what we do. Yep, we need to serve Jesus. We need to fulfil his mission. But it needs to be out of a love and devotion for him. Now Paul's a great example of this, isn't he? He says, 2 Corinthians 5.14, The love of Christ controls us or compels us because we've concluded this that one has died for all therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised so it's driven and compelled by the love of Christ and it's ambiguous actually in that context what what, what that is is it Christ's love for him or his love for Christ I think it's actually both uh, because Christ first loves us and we respond to him uh, in love. So compelled by the love of Christ. It's about being deeply and passionately living for Christ's love. It's relational, not transactional. <laughs> you know, it's about our relationship with God, understanding his unconditional love for us and living out of the fullness of that. It's not transactional where, Lord, I'll serve you as long as you do this and that for me. Uh, and if you want to know where you sit on that, ask yourself, how do you respond when something goes really wrong? You know, Jonah's got a really, really bad back at the moment. And now if I respond to that by saying, Lord, we've given our lives for you, we went to the mission field, and we've done this and that and suffered that and the other thing and... What's this? <laughs> now that reveals a heart that's transactional, isn't it? The reason I'm doing all that stuff, Lord, is so you look after me. <laughs> no, that's not the case. God's revealing his unconditional love in a different circumstance to us now. It's relational. God still loves us. It doesn't mean he doesn't love us anymore. It doesn't mean that he's not happy that we've served him. But he's using something else to teach us something. 
to understand again that it's our connection with him that matters. It's not doing this or that or being this or that, but being connected with him. Well, whether you're naturally task-oriented or people-oriented, that's a gift from God, isn't it? And each of those things carries its own strengths and challenges. The challenge today, over and above all that, is that first and foremost, don't be task-oriented or people-oriented, but be Jesus-oriented. Have him at the centre of our lives. And the more we centre our lives on him, uh, the more we are able to minister and serve out of the fullness of that to others. I want to read a poem uh, that we had when we were kids on an old 78 record. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, we used to listen to this when we were kids and it's called If Jesus Came to Your House. The language is a bit quaint, so bear with me and try and translate it into in the modern language. If Jesus came to your house to spend a day or two, if he came unexpectedly, I wonder what you'd do. Oh, I know you'd give your nicest room to such an honoured guest and all the food you'd serve to him would be the very best. And you would keep assuring him that you're glad to have him there, that serving him in your own home is joy beyond compare. But when you saw him coming, would you meet him at the door with arms outstretched, to welcome your heavenly visitor? Or would you have to change your clothes before you let him in? Or hide some magazines and put the Bible where they'd been? Would you turn off the TV and hope he hadn't heard <laughs> and wish you hadn't uttered that loud, last loud hasty word? Would you hide your worldly music and put some hymn books out? Could you let Jesus walk right in? Or would you rush about? And I wonder, if the Saviour spent a day or two with you, would you go right on doing the things you'd always do? Would you go right on saying the things you always say? Would life for you continue as it does from day to day? Would your family conversation keep up its usual place, pace? Or would you find it hard each meal to say a table grace? Would you sing the songs you always sing and read the books you read and let him know the things on which your mind and spirit feed? Would you take Jesus with you everywhere you'd plan to go? Or would you maybe change your plans for just a day or so? Would you be glad to have him meet your very closest friends? Or would you hope they'd stay away until his visit ends? Would you be glad to have him stay forever, on and on? Or would you sigh with great relief when he at last was gone? It might be interesting to know the things that you would do if Jesus Christ in person came to spend some time with you. It's quite challenging, isn't it? You'll need to translate that into your own situation. Friends, Mary and Martha had the privilege of a visit from Jesus in their own home, perhaps for a day or two, at the opportunity of a lifetime. How amazing that would have been. And yet, friends, you and I have an even more amazing opportunity, don't we? Uh, the incredible reality is that if you're a believer, Jesus is with you 24-7. 
24-7, every day. He's with you in your home, your workplace, when you go to uni, in your street. He's with you all the time. And actually he's put you in those places so you can live for him there. And out of the fullness of your relationship with him, others can be impacted and have the opportunity to hear his word, the word of the gospel, to listen to Jesus. And you and I, we have the word of Jesus, don't we, in our hearts, in our pockets, on our phones, uh, in your Bible. Listen to him and live for him. Serve him out of the fullness of what you receive from him. Whether you're a Mary or a Martha or somewhere in between, let's listen to his word in the deepest, most responsive way that we can. And let's not get in the way of others doing that as well. Rather, let's do everything possible by our lives and by what we say so that they can also connect with the word of Jesus. Let's do the best thing. And Jesus will never take that away from you because he's with you if you're a believer to the very end of the age. How encouraging is that? Jesus with you every day for the rest of your life. Friends, let's uh, respond in prayer uh, to the Lord Jesus uh, as we take uh, just a few moments to respond personally ourselves and then I'll pray and then we'll have time for questions. Lord, we thank you so much this morning for this opportunity uh, in the quiet just to recalibrate our lives. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to, if we need to reconnect with you in a, in a better and a deeper way, that you would work in our lives by your spirit, Lord, that uh, we might know your nearness, your closeness, your love for us uh, in its great depth that we might serve out of that knowledge and from that place of having listened to you and understood who you are and what your good purposes are for our lives. And pray, Lord, we'll help each other with this too. If we see each other getting frazzled, that we'll yes, just be able to come alongside and help one another to, to, to um, come back to the centre uh, and maybe even take the load off somebody who's really struggling. Uh, thank you, Lord, that we can trust you with all these things. And thank you 